This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The Premier keeps saying that he always just listens to the experts, but this time a lot of experts are criticizing the latest diktat from the government. It is supposedly just a recommendation, not a rule, but the Ford government effectively canceled Halloween in the hotspots of Toronto, Peel, York, and Ottawa. Now, that means no trick-or-treating, they say. Have Halloween another way, but uh, frankly, that would be a pretty cute trick. Uh, so this sparked reaction from a chorus of epidemiologists and other people with expertise in health who say that going out for trick or treating is a low risk outdoor activity that can be done safely. Even Teresa Tam, Dr. Tam said it can be done safely. And for a lot of people, this just adds to some inconsistencies in the rules because why are you canceling outdoor trick-or-treating in small groups when the kids can sit in classrooms indoors with 30 other kids all day long. I'd like to know what you think. Do you think it's a good idea? Are you relieved? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And are you maybe going to miss the little kitties coming around? It is kind of fun. And right now, let's go to Dr. Alon Vaisman, who is an infection control physician at the University Health Network in Toronto, and Dr. Timothy Sly, an epidemiologist and professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University. Hello, thank you for being with us. Hi, Libby. Thank you for having me. Okay, let us start with Dr. Vaisman. You think this was unnecessary, correct? Uh, yeah, I think overall the recommendation uh, wasn't necessary given what we know about the spread of the disease. Uh, I think being in outside locations, wearing masks, it's a very low-risk behavior, all things considered. And also considering the context of the other things that we are allowing at this stage. So I think uh, when you have these recommendations that are generally not agreed upon by most public health experts, most infection control experts, the government does lose a little bit of credibility uh, as well when you, when you do this kind of thing. And, and also it you know, people are looking for things to do, things, uh, sources of happiness, sources of relaxation, and taking away something like this without a good reason is also a, a negative thing to do. Dr. Sly, what's your view? Well, I think Dr. Baseman is, uh, is, is a very good argument that side, and I think uh, I should go along with a lot of what he says, but let's just, for the sake of argument, look at the devil's uh, advocacy position here. What they're worried about is as the situation where you're getting hordes of of uh, uh, young kids uh, that we know are usually asymptomatic and can be coronavirus, uh, appearing at uh, the front door of seniors who are then sort of exposed to all of these uh, collected breasts if they're not all wearing their masks and in the enthusiasm that they may have fallen off or not uh, been, been uh, attracted. Uh, handing out candies. I mean, you're getting potential, a potential there. Sure, it's not, it's not the number one issue. It's not the, <clears throat> the, 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 the shouting at the karaoke bar 
but it, but it, it is it is there, and I think in an abundance of caution, the uh, uh, the decision has been made to sort of let's try and throw a little, a little cold water on that. Yeah, but you know, um, Doctor Tam, for instance, suggested uh, handing the candy at the end of a hockey stick. You can leave the candy out on your porch if you're nervous about it. Uh, and one of the uh, rationalizations that I heard, they said, "Well, you know, it's not outside everywhere. A lot of people live in apartment buildings, and it happens inside there." Well, you know, they they've mandated a lot of other things can only happen outside, so they could say, "Okay, trick or treating, but only outside." Doctor Vaseman, um, what do you think? Oh, I. We lost him. Uh, we will try to be getting him back in a minute. I don't know what happened there. Uh, Dr. Sly, what do, what do you think of those rationalizations? Yeah, I think there's rationalization validity in all of those statements, uh, Libby, for sure. The, the point is that I can come up with all kinds of arguments to say, well, you know, wouldn't it be just nice to open the border a little bit to let, you know, our, our families through? Or wouldn't it be good just to allow my favorite bar to open? You know, that's not going to cause too much of a problem. But the point is that we are, again, in an ascendancy of cases. We've got about 5% of the world that may be infected. We're talking about the world now, which means that if you look at it uh, in the way that we've looked at previous pandemics, we're really at the beginning. This isn't the end of anything at all. And so if if we're going to be serious about this, we need to start... uh, putting the brakes on, even in where it's not necessarily a, uh, an open and shut case of, uh, of serious uh, infection risk. I think we've got to do something like that. The nighttime is a problem here, too. The, one of the reasons that, that open air is activities are, uh, are safer is because you've got sunlight as well. But here everything's going on at night, and we don't have that, uh, that helpful uh, intervention. Hmm. Um, Dr. Vaseman, I mean, uh, do you agree with Dr. Sly? And also, I don't know if you heard, we have you back now, that one of the rationalizations for doing this was that a lot of trick-or-treating happens indoors in apartment complexes. But I'm wondering, you know, they've, they've mandated that a lot of other things can only happen outdoors, like eating. Uh, so, you know, why not just putting that restriction on it? Yeah, um, I think that makes sense. Uh, so certainly there's going to be some people where it's going to be a little more challenging, like those who live in apartment buildings or condos. But to make a blanket statement about everyone, I think they just need to qualify that and say, you know, in outdoor settings, this is safer to do with the following things. And, you know, in parallel to their statement, they did release the recommendations for areas outside of stage two. So they, they do have it out there, recommendations on how to do things safely. Specifically for indoor settings, while it's true that, a, that a transmission is higher indoors, I think, you know, if you provide some safety guidelines and say when it is safe and when it is not safe to trick-or-treat indoors, for example, if you have a, an open space, if you have hand sanitizer available, if you, if you can assure distancing, uh, of course, because not all apartment buildings or condos are made equal, I think then you could let people know at least when it is safe and when it is not safe instead of, again, making a blanket statement that all, all situations are not safe. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have become a lot more used to the idea of keeping distance, about wearing masks, about using sanitizer. So, you know, there's there's a certain degree of responsibility from, from individuals as well to be able to do things uh, within the limits that are recommended. Do you think that uh, it's a, a CYA 
thing? I mean, the premier said, hey, if there were, if, if trick or treating went ahead and there was a spike in cases after Halloween, who would get the blame? Me. Is that, um, Dr. Vaseman, do you think he's just, you know, trying to cover his tracks? Well, that's exactly how, unfortunately, in his position being a leader works, is that things will, you know, as they say, the buck stops with the leader. So whether you make good or bad recommendations, it, it'll always be going back to you. But this, is, this, this also works the other way, that if you make recommendations that are very restrictive unnecessarily and that people don't quite understand, and not to mention also undercut some of the previous messaging, which suggests that masking and keeping distance is safe to do in outdoors, then you're actually, you know, the, then the negative side of the consequences come back to you as well. Uh, you know, the same thing he's, uh, the leadership in every province is trying to balance with the economic side of things as well. So, you know, the argument that it's simply, it'll always go back to him isn't, isn't sufficient to, to indicate whether it's the right or wrong decision to make. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I now forgot to look up the number, but there, there's one of these economic impact numbers about how much money people spend on Halloween, and it is quite considerable. And you have businesses, I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, uneaten candy, there uh, costumes. Uh, there are businesses that, that really count on this holiday, and it's uh, one of the top few. Again, I should have looked it up, but... Uh, there will be a serious economic impact of it. Uh, Dr. Sly, should we be worried? Well, I think we need to be, yes, we need to be worried about this and, and, and all these aspects. So the fact remains that we are where we are now in the uh, resurge of a, of a second wave, simply because we have loosened up the previous restrictions. We have sort of not in, in uh, following the recommendations all the way through. If, if we had all worn masks and if we had had that distancing going on and the hygiene and everything else, we probably would be where Australia and New Zealand are right now. But we've let it slip a little bit here, a little bit there. It won't matter over there. We can loosen this one up a little bit, and that's where we are now. We're on the ascendancy again. We're going up this is going down and going up exponentially. So we, we, if we're going to be serious about really beginning to put the clamps on this, or do we want to suffer this agony and, and pain for another six months? I hope not, for goodness sake. So maybe we have to really bite the bullet and, and clamp down on some of this stuff. Sure, you know, it, it's, it, uh, Dr. Bates was well aware that epidemiologists have always been accused of having two hands. And if you could have a one-handed epi, it would be fantastic, because they say on one hand this, on the other hand that. Yes, of course, little kids going around with supervision, with all wearing masks and lots of distancing and, and lots of uh, uh, distancing between the givers of candy, that would be an ideal situation. But can you really... Uh, can you really be sure of that happening when the kids aren't necessarily supervised and their enthusiasm of wanting to run up the garden path is a whole bunch of them together all breathing droplets over some unfortunate senior citizen opens the door. So you can see both sides of the story there. Okay, let's take a call from Barry in North York. Hi, Barry. Good afternoon. Well, uh, Dr. Sly, um, I guess um, great minds think alike. I'm really giving myself a lot of credit, aren't I? (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes, are you are you are you uh, a, a senior? Yes. 
Okay, yeah. I agree with exactly what he said, because we can't take any chances now. But look what New Zealand did. Look what Taiwan did. They crushed it really quickly because they did it really quickly. They didn't, they didn't mess around. They just said, okay, everything that isn't, uh, that isn't necessary, just shut it down. And then we're, we can uh, not have to pay in the future. And um, look what happened in Hamilton with that um, exercise place. They did everything they were supposed to. And wow, whoa, did they ever spread it? Yeah. Spread it to all sorts of places because of that something like 40 someone cases or something. It's just, yeah, we just, we just could have just, um, we're in a war and we got to bring out the heavy artillery and that's it. Crush it. Okay, Barry, thanks for that. You know, uh, I suspect that parents of small children are going to be seeing things differently and grandparents too. Um, I think, uh, as Dr. Vaseman pointed out, it's something people really look forward to. And, and I guess the question is, was it really necessary to cancel it? Now let's go to, uh, Will in Toronto. Hi, Will. How are you doing? Let me... Fine. How are you? Yeah, I, I called before. I love your show. I just want to say that. Thank you. Uh, concerning the, the, you know, potential cancellation of Halloween, yes, I have to agree completely with your position, guys. This is a terrible idea. Young people, need diversion, especially at this stage of the season. This is one of the last events that they're going to have before Christmas where they can actually interact as, you know, the weather changes. And I'd suggest uh, in the old uh, phrase of Halloween is trick or treat. You know, give us a, tr- a treat or we'll do a trick. A lot of potential youth out there are going to be disrupted. They're going to be upset that another vice has been taken from them. They're going to be egging houses, tossing toilet paper into trees. This is going to be a social un- unrest situation. This is crazy. Well, I, I don't know about that. That remains to be seen. Uh, this is, uh, I don't know, uh, that remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, okay. We've got your opinion. Will, thank you for that. Bigger than Okay. Uh, what I want to explore here is whether, uh, you know, a recommendation like this kind of undermines it. One of the things that seems to be happening now is that people don't really understand why is outdoor trick-or-treating canceled when kids can be in class with 30 other people. Uh, yesterday, there was a change. Dance studios were allowed to open. So why is it okay to dance in a dance studio but not be in a gym? Some of these you know, the, it, it's very hard to figure this out. They seem inconsistent. Dr. Vaseman? Yeah, I think that is part of the problem. That's not to say that, you know, it's outright incorrect to ban or allow Halloween trick-or-treating. You know, that it's whether it's good or be a, a good idea or a bad idea is, is true regardless of what you're doing elsewhere in society because it comes down to the science or what the best available science says about the risk of doing trick-or-treating. But yes, going back to the bigger point of the messaging of, of the public health and of the, the provincial government, if there isn't a very clear rationale explained or if there appears to be inconsistency, then that does undermine their position. And if you're allowing other things to be done, it, it does uh, threaten their integrity, not integrity, but just uh, you know the ability of people to understand what they mean. If that is the case, then they need to do a, a better job just to justifying what they're saying. That if they if they want to go that very, very cautious routes and, and banning Halloween things, trick-or-treating, they need to be very, very clear about their reasoning so that uh, people understand the message. And uh, on the dance studio thing, can you explain why a dance studio would be okay but a gym wouldn't be? Uh, well, I, I suppose it, it may come down to the sort of uh, 
the concentration of people in these buildings and also what the spacing might be in, in these areas. Uh, there isn't really, depending on the activities going on, there may not be too much of a big distinction between them. So uh, I do wonder whether it's just based on how many people are accessing these areas at the same time. That the fewer at, a, at the same time, the less likely that transmission can occur. Uh, Dr. Sly, do you have an explanation? Because again, you know, uh, every business that is open has been told that they can only accommodate fewer people. So, uh, you know, why is a dance studio allowed where a gym is told they can't, they, they can't accommodate any of their customers rather than being told you have to cut the numbers in half or more? What we found is that the transmission is really follows the five C's. And so on an individual basis, you'd have to look at the operation and see what's really going on there. You've got, and if you look at all of the super spreader events, they, they hit all the, all the buttons. The, the closed spaces, uh, you've got close contact between people. The continuous exposure, not just for a, a few seconds, but uh, for a half an hour, an hour, several hours, you've got the cover, cover up on yes or no, and I guess uh, weight rooms and that, they don't want to wear masks in that area, and crowds, lots of people per cubic meter of air, if you like. And so I, I can't figure out why the dance studio and the weightlifting room, uh, the gym, they both look pretty hazardous to me, quite honestly. You're getting a heavy breathing rate, a lot of uh, cubic meters of air being breathed in by these group, group of people who are all quite active and uh, probably not wearing a mask because it's difficult to dance or, or go through a strenuous bike exercise wearing a mask. So I think they're probably both hazardous, but if one can be shown to be uh, lots of distancing and the other not, I mean, that's maybe the reason why the uh, decision will be made like that. But certainly in the case of the gym we're talking about, you've got the epidemiology there. You have got direct evidence of transmission having taken place and uh, virtually what must be called a super spreader event. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think people are arguing about the gym. What they're saying is, how come? what makes the dance studio okay? Is it a better lobbying job? Dr. Vaisman, do you have a thought? No, no, as Dr. Sly mentioned, I'm not sure exactly what their rationale is. I, I see that there is risk associated with both. Uh, I, I don't know enough specifically what the, the dimensions of the average dance studio might be or the number of people in those rooms or whether it's more feasible to wear a mask in a dance studio than it is to wear in an average gym. I suppose, as Dr. Sly mentioned, those are all the factors they may have considered or, or they didn't consider them. I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't speak to the decision they have made and what the exact rationale was to it. Yeah, it it just seems, uh, again, that there seem to be so many inconsistencies that, you know, and and we know that public is getting tired of this to begin with. It, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what we wonder about. Let's take a call from Murray in Malton. Hi, Murray. Hi, Libby. Uh, this uh, uh, dance studio is posted to gyms. I think it's more on contact tracing, because if you're in a dance studio, you're with the same people over and over again. When you're in a gym, you don't really know who's going to be there when you get there. And as far as Halloween goes, I think it's the same thing. It's okay if you take your kids out, you know, because you know where you're going, you're able to do it. But how about those teenagers that go out by themselves? They're going to be everywhere. I mean, this is what the one day where they can get anything they want for nothing. Okay, that's an interesting thought. Murray, thanks for that. Okay, bye.
Bye-bye. Dr. Sly, do you agree? Is contact tracing a factor here? I mean, we know that even in restaurants or whatever, you have to give your contact info, though uh, there are cases when people don't give the right contact info. Yes, absolutely. And and let's face it, as uh, Dr. Baseman said, uh, we, we have evidence on one, but we don't have evidence on the other one. But let's face it, tomorrow we could have contact tracing feedback that says, oh, there's the dance studio over there. We've got uh, 16 cases already associated from last weekend. And then there'll be a uh, you know, a change in, in policy there because you've got more information. Right from the beginning, this, this thing, uh, as, as we've all said, this is not influenza. This is something very, very different. And we've been learning virtually every week that goes by, we've learned something else about this thing, uh, whether it's in the depths of medical mysteries or what happens with antibodies and so on. And the transmission has changed all the way through. You remember, we, we, the advice was no masks in the very beginning. And that's gone all full circle now. So I wear a mask to protect you, and you wear a mask to protect me, and so on. So we're learning all the time, and every one of these outbreaks and investigations gives us more information. Uh, Dr. Vaisman, uh, you know, I'm thinking maybe there is something to this contact tracing thing, but but it's all disturbing because uh, the province public health has pulled back on contact tracing and in a lot of cases is leaving it to the people themselves to get in touch with their contacts. So I don't know if that was the consideration that if you're running a dance studio, you know, who's been there better than a gym, though I would think, you know, you have to have a membership for most gyms. Yeah, that, that is, uh, I guess, one consideration is um, if you if you know people are there at discrete times for like a dance lesson or, or a session, then you, you at least have a, a little bit better chance of being able to trace people um, and maybe also being able to manage the number of people in the room at one time. So I suppose that is one factor to consider. Maybe that is what played into their decision making. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, certainly the contact tracing in Toronto being absent now or, or severely limited is a major issue why we, we again, should think about restrictions with with these kinds of spaces. Uh, Yeah, and uh, we were talking a lot about contact tracing yesterday. And, uh, you know, the government has promised to hire 500 new contact tracers. but, But is that going to be enough to restore or to attain the correct level of contact tracing for the second wave? I don't know exactly the number that they will need, but the the goal is uh, to get enough people so that you can contact people within at least a 24-hour, approximately 24-hour period of them having had a high-risk exposure to a confirmed case. And the reason is that if you go past that, there is a higher chance that people are going to have additional secondary cases, additional contacts with other people. So if you have, let's say, in Toronto, uh, you know, several hundred cases a day, three to 400 cases, and each of them generates five, six contacts, you're now thinking about contacting 2,000 or maybe close to 3,000 people. If you can't contact those 3,000 people within 24 hours, then, you know, the horse has left the barn, so to speak. So I'm not sure what the total number of contact tracers that they'll need based on their workflow, but that is the goal at least. And who knows, do do either of you know what the average turnaround time for a test is these days? Because uh, the barn would have left, uh, the horse would have left the barn because it would have taken days just to get uh, a confirmation. 
Let's not get started on testing, Libby. We've let that slip enormously <clears throat> and to a very regrettable degree. We're groping around in the dark here with, an, with, a, with a situation where half of the people virtually who have the virus are asymptomatic. And there's been a reluctance from the very beginning to use sufficient and adequate uh, range of testing that gives us some feedback. We've, that's uh, that's a, a sore point. Okay, and Alon, I will give you the last word. Yes, absolutely. As Dr. Sly mentioned, that that is a, if you combine the backlog in testing, which has improved over the last week or week and a half, with the absence of contact tracing, specifically in Toronto, then you have a situation where, you, as was mentioned, you, we are operating in the dark. We, there's a certain portion of people who we don't even know were contacts of people and have the disease and are transmitting to others. So until those two being the primary issue, being a get resolved, then we won't be on top of this in the near future. Okay. I wish we could end on a more positive note, but hey, maybe next time. In the meantime, thank you so much, Dr. Timothy Sly and Dr. Alon Vaisment. I really appreciate your time. Stay safe, Libby. sorry. Yes. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All righty. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.